Mark 5.15 says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Bible says he's sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Tell somebody the devil's going to be scared tonight, boy. He about to get scared tonight. <laughs> NLT says a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. The title of my message is Disturb the Peace. Disturb the Peace. Father, open up our eyes and our ears that we may receive a word from you that would change and transform our lives forevermore. Hide me behind your cross. Let your voice be louder than mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. Push somebody, say, Disturb the Peace. Disturb the Peace. Before I jump into my message, I would be crazy not to honor my pastor, our senior pastor. Can you guys just make some noise with Pastor Steven Chandler? Man, so humbled, so honored to be able to serve. And I know that uh, he would be in this room standing on a chair leading us in some type of wave or something. So, or doing one of those, you know, I can't do it the way he does it. But, man, I'm honored to be here. Oh, I got married 15 years ago. And uh, we're going to be celebrating 16 years. And uh, one of the things that happened when I first got married is uh, I had my own apartment just for a little bit. I had my own apartment before we got engaged. And once we got engaged, I moved out my mother's house, got an apartment that I knew that we were going to live in together. And so, you know, I was just kind of doing the bachelor thing for a while. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'll never forget weeks before the wedding, my wife was getting ready to move all her stuff in. And she came to the house. And I'll never forget what she said when she walked in the house, she looked around and she said, now, you know, we won't be living like this. And I said, excuse me. She said, yeah, we won't be living like this. And I said, okay, I don't understand what's going on. What, what's the problem? And so I never forget. She, she put, took me in the car and uh, she took me to a store. This is 15 years ago. She took me to a store I never heard of. This is 15 years ago, 16 years ago, to be honest. It was a blue sign with yellow font. I said, Ikea, what in the world is Ikea? And she said, this ain't no Ikea. This is Ikea. Never heard of it before. Never even seen it. Went into the store and 6.5 hours later, we came out with all kinds of stuff. Stuff I've never seen, stuff I never heard of. What you got to understand is that the apartment that I had, it was for men. Yeah, I'm one of those dudes, men. 
I didn't eat out of a bowl. I didn't have no bowls. We ate, I ate out the pot. Straight from the pot. Because I'm a man. I know. It's, I, I'm, it's 15 years ago. I was a man. I didn't have no curtains. I had bed sheets on the window. Because I'm a man. I'm a man. Don't need no curtains. I had a nice white sheet. This was perfect. I didn't have no bed, I had an air mattress. And I used to move it around the room. I used to move it where I wanted it. I didn't have a TV stand, I had my TV on some crates, and the crates was fine, it was perfect. It was great. But when my wife showed up with all this stuff to the house, she was introducing me to things I never seen, things I never heard of. For instance, there was something called a, a, a pillow sham. <laughs> Supposedly, these are pillows that I don't sleep on. They just sit on the bed and hang there, throw them off at night, put them back on in the morning. Never heard of this before. It was something called decorative towels. You, you don't wash, you don't dry your hands with them. You don't use them. They just hang there and accent the room, color up the wall. And my wife introduced me to something called a, a, like a, a, a cup saucer. Supposedly, there are plates. That you don't eat off of. They just hang under the cup and catch the overflow from the cup. Oh, I came to my house and she she was boiling, she was boiling cinnamon sticks. I said, oh, well, we cook. Oh, we have to make some pie. She said, no. Are you making cookies? What are we? Is it applesauce? No. This is just boiling cinnamon sticks for the odor. Want to change the odor in the house. When my wife said, I'm not living like this. <laughs> she meant it. And we ain't been living like that. Since the day she moved and we moved in together and got married. I, I, I. I talk about this, and it's funny, but my wife had decided that she was going to disturb the peace. That she was not going to accept things the way they were. She was not going to sit comfortable and relaxed while I'm eating out of a pot. My wife decided and determined, nope, things have to change. I, I believe that this is supposed to be the life of the modern day Christian. The modern day Christian, your job is not to make everything comfortable. Your job is not to make everything easy. Your job is not here to just let everything just go along. No, you are actually here to disturb the peace. You are here to get annoyed. As a Christian, you should be annoyed 
Violence should bother you. People depressed should bother you. Seeing people battling sickness every day of their life, there should be an annoyance on the inside. There should be an agitation in your spirit. You should be seeing this world and saying, no, I am not about to accept things the way they are. I'm not about to sit back. You should not be comfortable every day. If you can live in this world and be comfortable every day, something's wrong. You are here to stir stuff up. You are here to agitate the atmosphere. You are here to be an annoyance in the spirit realm. You are here to do something about what's happening in this world. You are not here to bring peace. You are here to disturb the peace. Oh, pastor, you got to prove that with some scripture. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I came. I'm ready for you today. Let's go to Matthew 5, verse 13, 14. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. Now, I've heard this scripture read my whole life. And typically when I hear read, people say stuff like, yep, we are the salt of the earth, which means we are here to preserve the earth. But you got to do a little bit of Jewish research to realize that salt wasn't just used to preserve. Salt was also used in an oven because it was to help ignite the fire inside the oven. So you are not here just to preserve. You are here to ignite. Your marriage is supposed to ignite something. Your prayer life is supposed to ignite something. Your worship is supposed to set something on fire when you walk into work it should be I'm here I've arrived the igniter is in the building you you are here to stir something up to set something on fire can I show you another scripture can I show you how they describe the disciples in the book of Acts let's go to Acts 17 Verse 5 and 6, it says, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting this, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. Do people call you a troublemaker? Because that's what they called the disciples. They called the disciples, those troublemakers are here. Those troublemakers have showed up. Them troublemakers, see the problem, the problem is that we are starting trouble on Instagram in the comment section. We are starting trouble in parking lots at the mall. We are starting trouble on Slack. Come on, give me a break. Cut it out. Meanwhile, 
You don't say nothing about depression. You don't say nothing about suicide. You don't say nothing about your kids having nightmares. Your kids are having nightmares every night. You are somewhere on a phone fighting somebody on an Instagram that you don't even know. Meanwhile, you got nightmares in your house and you ain't started no trouble yet. What's going on with you? The enemy should see you and say, troublemaker. Demons should see you and say, here come them troublemakers. Do you realize every night we have catalysts, demons gather together and say, here they come. Here they go. They're getting amped up. They're getting riled up. They're getting ready to make a move. They're getting ready to do something. Because you are not here to just bring peace. You are actually here to disturb the peace. And I'm going to say something that's going to step on your toes. Can I step on toes? I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Tell me what Jesus said. (laughs) Jesus said, if you're not igniting something, if you lose your saltiness, he says, then you're you're not worth anything. And you actually should be trampled underfoot. You're wasting our time. That's your Jesus. That Jesus said, I didn't say that. I think you're beautiful. But Jesus said. (laughs) Jesus said, no, you should be stirred up. Which means this. Negative people should not be able to stay negative around you for too long. attitude people, they should get in your space and say, I don't know why I can't keep my attitude around here. One of the signs that I know people are in trouble is when somebody comes to me and they say, yeah, you know, because everybody comes to me and they told me, and I always say, wait, stop there. Why did everybody tell you? What is it about you that made everybody so comfortable that they thought they could come and give you the latest gossip because they didn't give me the latest gossip. They gave you the latest gossip. Now, I know you're trying to sell me on the fact that they gave you the gossip because you're the nice person and everybody, you just know how to listen. No, you know how to make spirits comfortable. And when they come over to me, that spirit gets uncomfortable because I got an anointing on my life. I disturb people who gossip. I'm going to be honest. You really can't stay broke around me. I got too much favor on my life. I'm building wealth. I have his grace on me. I'm killing debt. I'm investing. I'm contagious. You can't stay broke and be comfortable around. I'm moving too much. I'm moving too fast. I'm getting too much done. You can't be about nothing and hang around me for too long. I ain't got to say nothing. Just being in my space, being in my world, the favor of God that's on my life, the spirit of the Lord, it disturbs your peace. Addictions get us, they should be disturbed around you. When addictions get around you, you should be like, I don't 
Push your neighbor and say, he's talking to you, not me. I just think. <laughs> Pastor, I'm sorry, but that just don't sound like my Jesus. My Jesus loves everybody. My Jesus is sweet, sweet Jesus. He's got the whole world in his hand. He got the whole world in it. Let me tell you about your Jesus. Matthew 10, verse 34. Your Jesus said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You know why you don't know about this Jesus? Because you have kept Jesus in a manger as a baby. And you love baby manger sweet by and by Jesus. Well, Jesus grew up and you're going to have to grow up too. And when Jesus grew up, he said, I'm not a baby no more. I came to divide. I came to mess stuff up. I came to turn over some tables. You are not a baby no more. Grow up and tear up something. You can't stay at baby Jesus. Because grown man Jesus flips tables. Grown man Jesus called people foxes. Grown man Jesus said, hey, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Come on. If you want to follow me, then you have to be ready to die daily. Grown man, Jesus, somebody said, they said, Jesus, pastor, I got to go, pastor Jesus, and I'll bury my father. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Come on. Let's go. You don't want to deal with that, Jesus. You want Jesus there, baby, forever so that you can be comfortable. But you're not here to be comfortable. You are here to be irritated. He didn't leave you in this earth just to accept things as they are. He put you in this earth to get mad at something. He puts you in this earth to get annoyed at something. Y'all, we, we are not in Charlotte just having nice, cute church. What? What? Huh? We are there to unite people with purpose. You know how many people are outside their purpose? You know how many people don't know where they're supposed to be? You know how many people are walking around lost? Charlotte is a city of transplants. So most people that you talk to in Charlotte are not from Charlotte. They moved there to Charlotte. They moved, they left somewhere else to come there. So in the city that I'm in, I'm talking to transplants. And guess what? I'm a transplant. So I know that every Thanksgiving we have to decide, are we staying here home or going to family home? I know that everybody around me in my world have got people who doubt them, who call them, say, what are you doing? Why are you chasing after God? Why are you going after that? Why are you doing that? And then here comes a church uniting people to purpose and helping people understand, ah, this is why I moved here. Ah, this is why we came to disturb the peace. The high school that we started in, we had so many people show up the first day. But first of all, let me, let me back on up. I, how much time do I got? I got? Am I good? I get to tell y'all stuff I haven't told nobody yet. So I get to. 
I'm going to tell y'all some things I haven't revealed. So the school, Ife, you know this. You shouldn't even be here. Get out of here. Get out of here. The school that we started in, it was hoodish. <laughs> I can say it now because we ain't there. It was hoodish. And I have some people who came to me and they said, hey, pastor, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, ain't nobody going to that school. Don't start your church there. Every church that has started there has had a horrible experience. And I just think that you guys would be best to go somewhere else. But uh, I came to disturb the peace. And so we planted there. And so many people showed up into that school that they threatened to call the fire marshal on us because we had traffic backed up. Why? Because God didn't put us there to have no cute church. He said, go into a school that don't nobody think you can win in. And let me show you what we can do. And now every church wants to be in that school. I'm sorry, I should have said that. I said, said, let me reel it back in. Let me me reel it back. Columbia, stop laughing. The text. Text always save you, boy. Go back to the text. The text says, Jesus is on a boat. And Jesus gets off the boat. And when Jesus gets off the boat, here comes a man running to him. Now, let's give you some information about this man. When the man shows up, man bows down, starts to worship. And matter of fact, what he says is, hey, Lord, do not torment us. Can't believe that you're here. And so Jesus says, what's your name? And the the spirits in the man say, we are legion. Our name is legion, for we are many. Okay? Now, I want you to know something. So Jesus, we know that he delivers the man. Cast those demons out. They go on the swine and swine go. Here's what's crazy about the passage. The Bible says that this man used to cut himself day and night. The Bible says that they used to tie him up and handcuff him and chain him up. He'd break the chains. The Bible says that this man used to scream to the top of his voice day and night. Yet, the scripture says after he's delivered, the Bible says he's dressed, it says he is sitting, and it says he's in his right mind. Now, here's what's throwing me off. It says they were afraid. Now, seemed like to me, the time to be afraid was when he was cutting himself. Time to be afraid was when he was screaming. Yet, this text doesn't, matter of fact, they went, somebody, somebody put him in the tombs. They were so not scared that they walked him over to the tombs. They were so not scared that somebody put the chain on him. He kept breaking it, they put it back. I'm sure his screams was normal. Ah, ah, they were just, yep, yep, he's screaming. 
He's out there. But all of a sudden, now that I'm delivered, now that I'm dressed, I was butt naked a second ago. I had no clothes. Nobody was scared that I was naked. Now that I have on clothes, now that I'm in my right mind, the whole city's scared. The enemy is scared of a version of you that if you ever become, he knows there's nothing he can do against you. He ain't scared of the depressed you. He ain't scared of the suicidal you. He ain't scared of the confused you. But let you get in your right mind. Let, let you know who you are. Let you stir something up. He will back up off your life. Twerking on Instagram, he has no fear of you whatsoever. Take it all off. Take it off. <laughs> but get clothed. Get dressed. And now I'm like, oh. Okay, I'm going to give you three things that I saw in the passage. Just some, just some truths. Three things that will help you disturb the peace of the enemy. I got to give you something to write down. So let me give you something to write down because I can just run right here. Number one, first thing you have to do is you have to make your life louder than your shout. If you're going to disturb the peace, you're going to have to make your life louder than your shout. Now, y'all know me. Come on. Y'all know. Y'all Y'all see me at this point. You know I love a good shout, boy. We're going to shout before the night's over. I, I'm only doing all this just to get to my shout at the end. Just, Pastor Stephen makes me teach. He makes, you got to teach them something, sir. He know I'm going to teach you. Just get, just get you to shout. But hear me. A shout that don't have a life behind it is noise. A shout with a life behind it is authority. And you don't want a loud shout with a weak life. You don't want a loud shout with a weak marriage. You don't want a loud shout with a weak prayer life. No, you want your life to speak. See, this guy, when he was shouting, the enemy didn't care. But all of a sudden, he's, quiet. he's got a life now. He's in his right mind. And now he has some authority. The enemy don't mind you shouting as long as you shout without any authority. But if you get a life and you build a life, I promise you the enemy has got to back up off of you. What, and when I say life, what do I mean by that? I mean a life that is built on the word. If you really want to disturb the peace, take every area of your life. Find the way it should look through the word and then begin to construct and build your life on the word. As you build your life on the word, all of a sudden you get some authority. Here's what Matthew 7, 24 verse 25 says. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, it says that the rain fell. The floods came, 
the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. When you build your life, you cannot build your life on a shout. You got to build your life on a rock. When you build your life on a rock, the enemy can send any wave. He can send any wind. He can send anything he wants. It will not break you. It will not destroy you because you have built your life on him. The enemy don't mind you shouting. He just don't want you surrendered. By the way, when Jesus showed up, what did, the de- what did the demons do? The demons bowed down. The demons said, we know who you are. Demons said, Jesus, just leave us alone. They were shouting, but they weren't surrendering. They're not surrendering their life to the Lordship. You, he wants you to surrender. I, I want you to have a life that has power to it. A life. Have, have you ever talked to somebody who they, I'll give you an example. When I was in my mother's house, when I lived in my mother's house, my mother used to do this thing where uh, when, um, you know, we had the lights on. My mother would always say, turn the lights off. And I used to be like, man, when I get my own house, I'm keeping these lights on all night. We used to run the shower. I used to run the shower. I used to let the shower run. I used to say, turn off that shower. And I used to say, man, when I get my own house, I ain't turn off no shower. I let the shower just run. I like the, I like the steam in the bathroom. We used to blast the heat. My mother used to say, hey, turn off that heat. And I used to say, man, when I, when I get my own house, keeping the heat on all day. And now that I'm older, I'll be in my house, and I'll be screaming, turn off the heat, turn off the lights, turn that water off. Why? Because I had an opinion when I haven't lived nothing. But now that I live something, I know what I'm talking about. And the enemy is not scared of your opinion. You got opinion on this, opinion on that. What he is scared of is a life lived because he know that you have tested God. He know that you are battle tested. He knows that you are rooted in him. You got to get yourself a life. And so your life has to be louder than your shout. Number two, you have to prioritize identity over performance. You have to prioritize identity over performance. I believe that the question that Jesus asked this man is an important question. He said, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? And the reason why he asked him what his name was is because he's trying to have demarcation. Hey, 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 that cutting is not you. All that screaming is not you. All that, that's, that's not you. He's trying to get him to identity because if you're really going to make the enemy back up, you have to stick with identity. You have to get your identity in God. Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because I grew up in church and uh, when I hear a message like this, the temptation is to go to performance. What does performance mean? Performance is, you know what? Now that I heard this, I'm about to lay hands on every single person I ever see in my life. I'm going to the club tonight just with some oil. 
Can I tell you the type of guy I was? I was the type of guy, they used to give us tracks. And on the track, it was like this pamphlet. And on the front was a, was a, a dove upside down on fire. Flying away. Yeah, you with me, sister? We was out there. And I would go in my city, and I'd wait for people to get out of the red light. And I'd be like, roll the window down. And I'd be like, roll the window down. And they roll it down, I'd be like, you're going to hell. It's just me. Just waiting for you. You see that God? I got one. I got one. Spiritual warfare. That was spiritual stupidity. But I have learned is that the enemy don't mind you going out there and laying hands and doing all that stuff as long as you don't have your identity anchored in him. Here's what scripture says. Let me back that up. Scripture says this. It says in Matthew 7, 22 through 23, it says, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform any miracles? He's going to say, I never knew you, which means what? You didn't do all that for me. You did that for you. You did that so you get more speaking engagements. You did that so you can post something on your YouTube channel. You did that so you can blow up your website. But you didn't do that because you were anchored and had your identity in me because me and you did not know each other. You was in performance, not in identity. When this man got in his right mind, he was at the feet of Jesus saying, I'm anchored. My identity and my purpose comes from you. All right. I'm going to attempt a joke. Now, I don't do jokes. No, not like I joke around, but I'm going to try a joke. Okay. I don't really do jokes, but I think this joke is funny. Now, if it's funny, laugh. Columbia, if it's not, laugh. There's a woman. <laughs> I didn't even do the joke yet. There was a woman who was pregnant with twins. A boy and a girl. <laughs> and she fell into a coma. <laughs> when she comes out the coma, <laughs> the doctor says, hey, you was in a coma. We had to go ahead and give birth to your boy and your girl, your twins, your babies. And so the woman said, oh, my God. Is everything okay? Are they okay? And doctor said, yep, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Your brother's been here the whole time, and he's been taking care of everything. In fact, your brother named the babies. And she said, oh, no. My brother is an idiot. He doesn't know anything. Why would you let him do that? No. In fear, she asked the doctor, 
What did he name the girl? And he said that he named the girl Denise. She said, oh my God, thank God, thank God. And then she said, well, what did he name the boy? He said, the nephew. <laughs> Denise, the nephew, he's the uncle. Here's my question. Who named you? Where's your identity in? Has fear named you? Has pride named you? Has success named you? Where is your identity anchored in? Because if it's not anchored in who he is in your life, then it does not matter. I promise you, if you want to get to a place in your life, even when I was standing over there, I was standing here in the corner and I'm thinking about preaching and the spirit of God is moving in the room and I'm thinking about preaching. Holy Spirit stopped me and said, can you forget the message for a second? My presence is in the room. Be anchored in my identity, not your performance. And I got on my knees and just worshiped the Lord and said, God, however the message turns out, it turns out that way but I'm not going to be anchored in my gift. I'm not going to be anchored in my performance. I'm not going to be anchored in your amens or hallelujah. I'm going to be anchored in him. And as I'm anchored in him, then I'm telling you, the enemy can't do nothing when you know who you are. He can shout at you. He can scream at you. He can try whatever he can try. Let me tell you. Ooh. Oh, I'm out of time. Let me tell you something. The reason why it is so easy for the enemy to send the wrong person your way to date is because you're not anchored in your identity and you don't know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, I can send anyone to you. And as long as you are attracted to something about them, you will never have the discernment to realize this is not for me which is why you shouldn't date till you have your identity anchored in God. Because when your identity is anchored in God, I'm not thirsty. When my identity is anchored in God, I'm not starving. The reason why you keep dating that type of person is because you starving. And so you're looking for your identity at a date, at a dinner. You're sitting there waiting for someone to speak in your life and make you feel complete. You're not supposed to go to the date to get complete. You're supposed to show up complete. And as you show up complete, I'm sober enough to have a real conversation about my destiny. That's why you say, how'd I end up? You, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that guy was sitting there saying, why, am I, why was I naked all this time? I was naked. He was getting dressed like, what, what have I been doing? All right, I'm out of time. Ben, y'all come up. I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry, it's Catalan, I'm sorry. Columbia, I'm sorry. Just... Third point. 
Are y'all getting somebody this? Are y'all getting somebody this? Y'all getting somebody? Disturb the peace. Look at somebody say, disturb the peace. 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 All right, let me tell you how this story ends. The story ends with Jesus delivering this guy, and when he delivers the guy, the guy goes to Jesus and he says, hey, let me come with you. You got me, man. I'm coming with you. And Jesus says to the guy, no, you cannot come with me. Stay here and tell everybody what God has done for you. Now, this is strange. Why is it strange? Because all throughout scripture, Jesus tells people, don't say nothing. Don't tell nobody. Leave it between me and you. But this guy, he says, no, go. Tell everybody what God has done for you. When you really disturb the peace, you will turn your wound into a weapon. When you really disturb the peace, the thing that the enemy used to use against you will now be the weapon of choice that you use to deliver other people. God did not deliver you just so that you can have a comfortable, nice Christianity. He delivered you so that every time you see somebody going through the things that you went through, something should agitate your soul and stir up in your spirit and say, I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. I know what you're going through. That's why we do groups. You know what groups are? Groups are a way for you to take your wound and turn it into a weapon. And when you turn it into a weapon, you start to get people delivered. When you turn it into a weapon, you start to turn and change people's lives all around. My wife and I struggled with infertility for years. We had to pray to have children. I grew up in a neighborhood that if we kissed too long, you got pregnant. I grew up in a neighborhood where if you hugged too long, you got pregnant. Here I am, I'm married, doing it right, living right, and we cannot have children. And I mean, we're doing everything. At one point, I started anointing my wife's stomach with oil. I started speaking to my wife's stomach. I used to go into uh, baby stores and, and, and touch cribs and, and lay hands on cribs. And we, was, we would just do all kinds of stuff. We used to say God's going to give us double for our trouble. And if we were driving down a highway and it said double fine, we would say double for our trouble, double for our trouble. And guess what? God gave me double for my, I got two kids. God gave me double for my trouble. We had two babies. One is eight, one is seven. And for the last eight years, I cannot tell you how many couples have come to me crying and weeping. Pastor, we can't have children. Now they're crying, but my spirit is getting stirred up because I fought that devil before. I fought that thing before. And I get to be the big brother to say, hey, you came to the right person. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have spoken to the spirit of infertility inside someone. And you know what I say? I say, y'all remember me? Remember eight years ago you was trying to haunt me? Remember I bust your cousin in the head? Remember your brother came at me and he lost? And now I declare, good God, I feel like jumping somewhere. And now 
Get out of my sister's life. Get out of my brother's life. I came to disturb the peace. That's why I'm here. You went through too much pain. You went through too much stuff for you not to get agitated when you see somebody going through what you went through. You're supposed to disturb the peace. Can I show you a crazy scripture? Can I show you a crazy scripture? You're supposed to say yes and I'm supposed to show you the scripture. Can I show you a crazy scripture? Y'all know the story of David and Goliath? Can I show you a part of David and Goliath that's strange to me? 1 Samuel 17, 57. This is after he kills Goliath. He chops off his head. Here's what it says. It says, as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with David still holding the head of the Philistine. War's over. He won. No more fight. Yet the Bible says, David is still walking around with a bloody, stinking, empty head. I got a question. Why would David be walking around with a head? Why would David walk around with a head? Can I tell you why I believe David was walking around with a head? He came back into the camp with the head to say, hey, y'all, remember that giant that y'all was afraid of? Remember that giant that y'all was scared of? I got his head in my hand. Don't you ever in your life let a giant scare you for the rest of your life. Don't you ever back down from a fight for the rest of your life. Don't you ever let somebody come up in God's house saying what they gonna do. I'ma carry this head as a sign to everybody. Don't ever, don't ever let a giant make you back down. And I just believe afraid of a sitting dressed in your right mind you worship team's getting ready to come I'm going to say one more thing and I'm getting up out of here I didn't put the scripture up but the Lord gave me this scripture in the Bible you all know the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead there's a passage in John that says that the Pharisees wanted to kill 
Jesus and Lazarus. I know why they wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus was stirring stuff up. Jesus was agitating the atmosphere. But why I want to kill Lazarus? Can I tell you why they wanted to kill Lazarus? They wanted to kill Lazarus because even if they got rid of Jesus, they still had a symbol and a sign among them that he can raise the dead. Can I tell you why the enemy's been bothering you? Can I tell you why that oppression has been coming towards you? Can I tell you why demonic influence been trying to creep up on you? Because he wants to kill Lazarus and you. Why? He wants to kill Jesus and you. Why? Because as long as you're breathing, you are a sign that he can raise a dead marriage. You are a sign that he can raise a dead body. You are a sign that he can still open up doors. I need somebody in this place to open up your mouth. You've been looking for a miracle all night. Well, I came to let you know you are the miracle. You are the one. You've been looking around saying, where the miracle at? You are the miracle. You shouldn't be alive. You shouldn't even be here. There shouldn't be no breath in your body. But if you got breath in your body and a testimony in your life, open up your mouth, lift up your voice, and shout, 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 because I'm a living testimony that God still makes ways. He still breaks curses. He still opens doors. He still changes lives. I am a, a living testimony. I am a living proof of what God can do. Can I get somebody who knows that you're a miracle? Disturb the peace. Disturb the peace. Disturb the peace. 